Resistance, Chapter 14, February 15th and 16th, 1943, Lodes. The road to Lodes was even more wooded than it had appeared from the train. The waning sunlight was obscured by tall, thick trees, so strong that they choked out the smaller trees that should have been protected beneath their winter canopy. Between them, small farmhouses could occasionally be seen. I doubted any partisans were here. Too bad, I told Esther. Partisan fighters would have given us shelter for the night, someplace warm. If it had been cold before, the wind that pushed through the icy trees now was worse, each gust slicing through our coats like knives. It would only get worse when night fell. Esther pulled up the collar of her coat to protect her face, but she never complained. Maybe because she remembered why we were talking. I certainly did. At least I had the bag on my back for some protection. It felt heavier each minute, but it kept out the wind. Esther looked over at me. I never used to lie. I wasn't prepared for the number of lies we'd have to tell as couriers. You weren't prepared for anything, I snapped, my tone so sharp that it even surprised me. Softer now, I added, I'm sorry, I didn't mean... I tried to prepare, Kaya, really, I did. I'll bet I'm the only courier in Poland who can recite the whole passage of the Torah and the Catholic Catechism. Every courier can do that. I stole apples once and smuggled them. You're not even a courier, Esther. After Saganaria, I was the only one left until... I stopped and faced her, exhausted and cold at the edge of my temper. You're not the only one that anything has happened to. If we're still alive then it's because we all lie, we all steal, we hide the star of David on our arms when we can and show it when we must. And we've all lost people we love. We've all lost everything to the point where we have nothing left. So our only choice is to curl up and die or else to fight back. I am fighting back. That's why I came. I'm here too. Remember that, Esther. You are not the only one affected by the mistakes you made. I began walking again, and she followed, staying two steps behind me. Finally, she asked, Well, have you ever made holishkis without cabbage? A smile nudged at my mouth. You can't make stuffed cabbage without cabbage. Then there is one story that's only mine. Despite my irritation, I laughed, but it wasn't much but it warmed me for a few steps longer. Finally, Esther pointed out a home in the distance with overgrown weeds coming up through the snow. No lights were on and no animals were visible in the gates. Abandoned, she asked. I shrugged and cautiously led the way towards the home. Whether it was abandoned or not, we wouldn't sleep inside. That was too risky, but the barn might offer us enough shelter to wait out the night. In fact, when we opened the barn door, I decided it was probably better for us out here than it would have been in the house. Whoever used to live here had obviously left in a hurry. The straw for their animals was still in a large pile waiting to be pitched for the horses. Esther and I buried ourselves inside the heap, letting our bodies slowly warm the air pockets around us until the feeling returned to our fingers and toes. Mine ached at first. I hadn't realized on the road how dangerously cold we were. I'd have to be more careful in the future. How many? Esther cleared her throat. 
How many lives have you saved? My eyes were already closed. Not enough, I murmured. I remembered the faces of every person I'd helped into hiding, but rarely knew what happened to them afterward. Sometimes the Polish family seemed helpful until the Jewish person had settled into their home. Then they would <coughs> excuse me. Then they would blackmail them or turn them in for rewards from the Gestapo. Sometimes the families couldn't afford to keep the person in hiding. Their allotment of food was rationed too, and every person in hiding forced those rations to stretch further. Or maybe the family simply grew afraid of being discovered, of the brutality that their own loved ones would receive if they were found out. I hoped every person I'd placed into a safe house was truly safe, and I firmly believed that they were better there than remaining in the ghettos, which would eventually force them into harsh labor camps, or worse, the extermination camps. But I didn't know how many of them were still alive. I only knew that if I kept trying, kept fighting, maybe I could save even one more person. We stayed in the barn for the night, though I couldn't have slept more than 10 minutes at a time. Eventually, I forced myself to get up. When Esther awoke shortly after dawn, her sleepy eyes drifted to the hem of her coat in my hands. I was just finishing it up with a needle and a bit of thread to finish the knot. What are you doing? Suspicion was thick in her voice. I showed her the inside hem where I was stitching. You can't use your Jewish name outside the ghettos. <clears throat> the Kinkarte identifies you as Polish. If anything happens to you, you will be buried with a false name in a Christian cemetery. I've sewn your identity in here. If something happens, well, we hope to have this. We will hope to have this will, that will be found. Do you have one? I showed her my stitching inside an arm of my coat. We all do. She nodded. You think of everything, Kaya. If I thought of everything, we wouldn't be walking. Now let's go. We lined our coat with straw for extra insulation, ate as little of our food as we had to, then returned to the road. Morning should have brought a friendliness to these woods, but nothing here felt friendly. The breaking sunlight was only a stark reminder of how the tiniest trees were dying. The largest ones must be taking too much of the groundwater, too much of the light. <clears throat> it was a rule of nature that the strongest would survive, but that morning nature seemed uncruel, seemed unfair and cruel. Lowe's was only a few more kilometers away, so we arrived by mid-morning and asked for directions to the train station. The Nazi liked to place their ghettos there. It simplified their transportation to the extermination camps. Esther commented on this, too. We should have known the Nazis' plans as soon as we saw where they placed the ghettos. We should have known. I turned to her. Did you come from the ghettos, Esther? Did you used to live in one? She blinked and turned away from me. Should we keep moving? Find the entrance? I agreed, though she obviously was hoping to distract me from my question. That was fine for now, but it pricked my curiosity. Sooner or later, I'd find out the answer. Unlike most of the other ghettos where I'd been, there were no walls of any sort here, only stark wood fencing with a barbed wire stretching wide between the slats. For a place we'd been warned away from until now, it seemed remarkably unthreatening. It'd be easy to escape, I whispered to Esther. Cut the wire, slip between the posts, and they'd be free. Why don't they leave? Lines of Jews stood behind the fencing, most of them still as a photograph, 
except for the occasional turn of someone's head. They stared at the outside world as if it were a puzzle they couldn't quite work out, a memory encased in a fog. A few had hands outstretched, silently begging for a crumb of food, but no one passing by came near enough to the fencing to offer them anything. Be patient an hour longer, I muttered to them beneath my breath. We will get food into you somehow. Beside us on the road, the poles walked by as if they were unaware of it all. How was that possible? Didn't they care what was happening on the other side of that fence? Couldn't they see it? Or were they afraid to look, terrified that if they stared, someone might wonder if they belonged there too? Then I noticed a patrol of Polish police walking the perimeter, heading north, while motorcycles of Gestapo officers circled it southward. That must be why no one offered food and why the people remained inside a simple fence. Before long, we found the ghetto entrance, narrow and heavily guarded. A large sign in front read Juden, as if there were any question of who might be imprisoned within these walls. It added, entry forbidden. Somehow, the sign seemed to be speaking to me, but not as a warning. I considered it a challenge, one I intended to win. This is a large ghetto, I mumbled, surveying the rows of buildings behind the guards. Only Warsaw's ghetto is larger, Esther replied. Our resistance here could make a difference. Perhaps, but first we had to sneak inside. As eager as I was to defy the Nazis' orders to stay out, I didn't like the look of the guards at the gate. There were too many of them to hope to pass through without being questioned, without being searched. Esther touched my arm. The gaps in the ghetto fencing, we can get inside that way. It was probably the only way we'd get inside, but my stomach was already doing flips at the thought of it. Aside from the patrols on the outside of the fence, the OD would be watching from the inside, and for all we knew, we crawled right into their backyard. <clears throat> we'll go at night, I said. In the meantime, let's find a safe place to warm up, a church, perhaps. Esther began to nod, but froze as a truck with Nazi symbols drove slowly drove on the road beside us. <clears throat> her eyes darted around, and I noticed her hand shaking. Stop that. I wouldn't speak gently now. Stop looking guilty. The truck passed and we walked away from the direction it was driving. When all was clear, she said, I can't help it, Kaya. How can you not be afraid? Because it is not possible to be afraid all of the time, I hissed. I feel it, but I keep it in the background. You must use fear to sharpen your senses and heighten your instincts. It will drive your determination to stay alive, but it cannot control you. And if you give in to the fear, you will die tonight and you'll probably get me killed, too. Her hand had stopped shaking, but not because of my words. For now, she was only pretending to have her fear under control, pretending that she could face what lay ahead. And for now, that would have to suffice. If she could pretend well enough, then one day she would feel the churning in her stomach, the sweat on her palms and the pulse in her temples, and know that she was terrified because of what was about to happen. But she would go forward anyways just as I would do tonight. Because if I was being honest, I'd been fighting the shaking of my own hands for most of the day. I hadn't felt this nervous in two months since the night we attacked the Saigoneria Cafe. Deep in my heart, I knew this was a bad idea. 
That sole thought occupied my mind as Esther and I stared at the ghetto in Lodes. It was the one place we'd been told never to go, considering the impossible, considered the impossible ghetto, and yet we were going in.